All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Crash Culture Podcast Show, where we discuss a variety of topics from sports to politics to social issues and music. Um, we're going to start this podcast off by congratulating the Toronto Raptors on their first NBA championship. Props to Kawhi and uh, Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam and those guys. They really stepped up and took advantage of Golden State's misfortune with all of the injuries going on on that team. Um, my thoughts on that series is basically KD inability to play that series helped Toronto, but not as much as Clay's inability to play or finish the series help Toronto because there's no doubt in my mind that if Clay continued to play that game six Golden State would be right now in position in a game seven to at the at the very least make it competitive you know so um, it's unfortunate that Clay went down and KD went down. But there in this world there are no excuses. Injuries are a part of the sport. That's the politically correct answer to say. But in reality the truth is that goddamn Danny Green, I feel like in my mind purposely tried to injure Clay Thompson because every basketball player knows when you go up in the air You weigh nothing. You weigh absolutely nothing when you're in the air. So somebody's ill-advised attempt to block a shot or a dunk attempt at that, especially when you're trailing behind the guy. I mean, Danny Green, you're not LeBron James. You're a 3 and D guy. And most of the time, the D ain't there. Why in the hell would you attempt to try and block Clay from behind on a dunk like that? I do not know. You just hate to see it, though. You hate to see... An injury like that and Clay come down awkwardly. But all of the, the announcers and everybody trying to say, oh, uh, Clay agreed that there was no malicious intent and, and all of that, that baba bullshit, to me, is total bullshit because that looked like an attempt to injure a man that was already in the air, already in the process of making the attempt, making the dunk attempt. But whatever. Congratulations to Toronto on winning the series. Um, one thing that we can we can agree on, though, one thing that we can say about that series is Kawhi, for the better part of the series, played like a superstar, a two-time defensive player of the year and a finals MVP. He played like himself, you know, except for when Golden State started keying on him in the latter portion of the series, particularly in game five and six. You know, he still got him, but he wasn't as effective and efficient as he had been, you know, game three, since game three of the Milwaukee series up until, you know, game three of the Golden State series. He he hadn't been as effective and efficient, you know, so Golden State props to their defense on doing that on Kawhi, but props to Kawhi for making the correct decisions to get his team 
the win. That seems like that was all on his mind. The whole entire playoffs, the whole entire series, he was focused on the win. And that razor-sharp focus is what propelled them to be NBA champions this year, uh, along with Golden State's misfortune. Um, my question to this is now, is Kawhi Leonard the GOAT? I mean, he stopped two three-peats. He locked up LeBron James and scored on him at will. Be that uh, uh, Golden State did not have Kevin Durant, so we wouldn't know if he would lock up Kevin Durant and they would still win or not. But uh, the fact still remained that he beat the two-time defending champion, Golden State Warriors, and is now the current reigning finals MVP. So we can't take that away from him. He has the accomplishment. It's, it's in the history books already. He's done it on two different teams in two different conferences. You know, the kid's talent speaks for itself. So, you know, and at Jordan's age, Jordan didn't win his first NBA title till 28. You know, LeBron around the same age when he won his first NBA title. You know, it's. I think he's better than LeBron right now. I think he's better than LeBron. I don't know if you could say that his body's better than LeBron. Body of work is better than LeBron, I mean. Uh, because LeBron has 15, 16 years in the NBA. And he has five or four, four or five regular season MVPs. So, you know, and all of the statistical accomplishments to go with it. Probably is going to be. Uh, number one in scoring all time and going to probably be top five in assists all time. So it, it's difficult to say is Kawhi Leonard the greatest player of all time? Because number one, no question in my mind that he can't be because of Jordan. But so far as nowadays where we, you know, everybody has all of these hot takes and these overreactions, uh, due to social media of trying to put LeBron above Jordan, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here and saying that why not Kawhi? Why not him be the GOAT being that he beat uh, LeBron James? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much how I, I feel about that. I'm not saying that he's really the greatest of all time because Jordan has that title. I know everybody wants to say, what about Bill Russell? Bill Russell played in, in what, the 50s and the 60s. It wasn't that many teams in the league. Come on. Like, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not doing the back and forth with people on that. If you don't understand that why he's not the greatest player of all time, then it ain't no need to have a conversation. The only guy who really can make a case is Kareem. And Kareem had to rely on others to give him the ball in order to score points. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, it's hard to even put it there with him. You know, it's like one of the things that should qualify you as a GOAT is do you have the ability almost every time you come up to court to decide the way the game is going to be played. Are you dictating the pace of the game? Are you dictating the floor of the game? Because the ball's in your hand 
the majority of the time. So really point guards, shooting guards, occasionally a small forward or a point forward in LeBron's case, they have more of an imprint on the game than a postman because a postman, he has to wait on somebody else to pass him the ball. So, you know, that's pretty much why I would put Jordan as number one of all time. And a lot of people, a lot of great basketball minds agree. Um, But LeBron's right on his heels, but LeBron would never, ever be able to usurp Jordan because of those six finals losses. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but the facts still remain. You're talking about a guy who won 6-0, six MVPs in the NBA finals, didn't even let a game seven happen. And you got another guy in LeBron who uh, had help. Jordan had help too. Let's not, let's not, uh, let's throw that out there, right? So I'm not confused or, you know, misconstruing any of the facts. Jordan had help too, but Jordan raised Scottie Pimpin to help him win those first three NBA championships. And they signed Dennis Rodman because Dennis Rodman to everybody was a head case. You know, LeBron, on the other hand, however, orchestrated moves in the offseason, not taking nothing away from him. But he took more of a page out of the Boston big three. You know, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett in talking and forming a super team in order to legit win a championship. It's not as organic as a Golden State's first championship. It's not as organic as a San Antonio Spurs championship where they build through the draft and they have won with players that they have drafted. That was the their core group of guys, players they, they drafted. You know, same with Jordan's Bulls. Their, their core group of guys was guys that they drafted. I know people want to go to Cleveland and say that, oh, uh, but Kyrie is somebody who they drafted. LeBron is somebody who they originally drafted. If that was the case, why would LeBron leave in the first place? He left in the first place, and they did. Uh, I tell people this all the time. There was a sign-in trade with Miami in order for Cleveland to get assets from Miami to be able to rebuild and retool that team, okay? LeBron James, he was a free agent. He could have signed with Miami outright like Kevin Durant did with Golden State. And Miami would have still had its assets so far as draft picks and money and whatnot. And the league would have had to fix whatever problems was going on in Cleveland, which they did also with basically giving Cleveland the first round, first round overall draft pick like two or three years out of four, you know. So you can't tell me the league didn't rig that because LeBron left. Whatever. It set it set Cleveland up and put them in position to get a championship if LeBron decided to come back, in which the going got a little bit rough in Miami. D-Wade was getting old. He wasn't able to produce as much as he was able to before. Now, all of a sudden, LeBron had to be more of that GOAT that he was claiming to be, and he had already suffered a loss his first year there. You know, so that created wounds where he froze up. The The, the championship was on the line. They was up 2-1. The ball was in his court to win that that title, that first title in Miami versus the Mavs. And LeBron froze up. Ain't no other way around it. 
chosen one becomes frozen one, as Skip Bayless says. Um, that San Antonio Spurs championship, uh, the Spurs should have been back-to-back champions, but Ray Allen saved LeBron's legacy. More so, Chris Bosh and Ray Allen saves LeBron's legacy. You know, that second title run in Miami. And I'm a Heat fan. I watched it all. You know, we thought it was over. I had a few of my friends. We was watching the game. We thought it was all over with. We was like, damn, one NBA championship, that's it? Like, D-Wade got us that? Why why everybody talking about LeBron so great? And then Ray Allen came through, hit it, and then LeBron took over that game seven with D-Wade and willed us to the back-to-back championship. And then we knew that next year coming up, no matter how much they went on the run, the focus was on the Spurs, and the Spurs' focus was on the Miami Heat. So, you know, we all know what happened with that. Spurs spanked Miami. I lost a lot of damn money. <laughs> and uh, Kawhi became finals MVP. His first, now his second against Golden State. And, um, you know, it just got me thinking, like, is he the greatest player of all time? You know, in terms of, like, currently. Not not really all time, but currently. I should say, is he the best player in the NBA right now instead of saying greatest player of all time because that kind of, you know, makes people prisoners of the moment. Um, But I can't help but feel like the Marcus Cousins didn't step up and play like he's been capable of playing all of these years. All these years, he was a 20 and 10 guy. And... All of these guys get injured. But it's kind of hard to say because we don't know the percentage of him coming back from that quad injury. We don't know, like, what he was feeling like. You know, was he 100%? He had a couple decent games after the injury. Like, he had a decent game. I think that was game four or game three. Like, the, the first game, like, he really came back into the lineup. He played decent. In the next game, he bombed and sucked. And in the next game after that, he played okay, and in the next game after that, he bombed and sucked, and they lost. So, um, you know, what does that mean for him in the offseason? You know, this is a one-year mid-level exception deal for him where he was saying that uh, Golden State was his only option. Nobody else wanted to sign him, which was a lie because the Pelicans offered him a max. But he was mad that it, I guess it took too long or they wasn't giving him the, the love he felt like he should deserve. And, you know, they wasn't seeking after him. But kind of like I'm thinking to myself, should they have? Because on a championship team, a team that won back-to-back championships and trying to three-peat, you're a 20-10 and 10 guy. You're big time. You know, you're an NBA superstar, a former NBA superstar. Like, you should be able to step up. You should be able to body guys in the paint, do those nice little jump hooks or whatever. You know, put that big ass on somebody and put them in the damn basket. You feel me? And they was going to Cousins. But he was ineffective, you know, because they would have another guy come over and he wouldn't kick out at times. And other times he was just missing. So, don't get me started on Cousins and, and, and the ring chasing and, and all of that. Now, if he won the ring, 
it wouldn't be considered a ring chase. If he'd be considered a champion, all is gone. He's coming in a free agency. He's uh, now all of a sudden a sought after free agent because he played so well. Even if he just did the bare minimum, he played so well. It just showed a little glimpse of his potential. But that's not what happened. What happened is Golden State wind up suffering multiple injuries to their core group of guys in Steph, KD, uh, uh, Clay, you know, even Looney got injured. And now it's Steph and Cousins. That should be enough to beat Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard because they got still Draymond Green over there, the Swiss Army Knife, and they still got Andre Iguodala. You know, they're still playing effectively. So, Boogie, you should have been the difference in that. You got four matchups where y'all supposed to take advantage of. You know, the Kawhi Leonard one, y'all couldn't have done nothing with it, but everybody's supposed to dominate everybody else. And I'm not letting Steph Curry off the hook neither because he had the game-winning shot at the end of the game. He's the greatest shooter of all time. I ain't even going to mutter my words on that one. He's the greatest shooter of all time our generation, but not only our generation, of all generations, to ever play in the NBA. That shot supposed to be a layup. Steph Curry in the playoffs sometimes doesn't show up, and that's a knock on him. And a lot of people try to say that that they didn't need KD and, and things like that, but they needed him. People don't realize Harrison Barnes against LeBron James in 2016 had so many wide open threes and couldn't put a, a brick in the fucking ocean. All right. Now, did, did they need exactly KD? That could be debated. But I say, why go for just an all star when you're going to have a superstar? You know what I'm saying? That's like you go to rob a bank and. Instead of getting a hundred million dollars, you just tell him I want a thousand and all ones. I just wanted to rob it so I can go to the strip club. You, so you gonna go to jail for the rest of your life, or you gonna be stuck with this this uh, uh, negative mark against you for the rest of your life, and you only get it for a thousand dollars? Because I say go for the gusto, go for it all. You know what I'm saying? And I applaud Golden State for going for it all, and I applaud KD for going for it all. I don't blame him for wanting to go play for the best teams because a lot of people say at the park the two best players pick teams. But the fact of the matter is, if you go to L.A. Fitness in the morning time, sometimes you see a quarter damn near NBA or college player, college caliber players trying to dominate little guy like janitor workers and, 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 and mall cops and shit in L.A. Fitness. So that's a bullshit lie. I think people just hate on that team and they couldn't wait for them to get theirs so far as lose the NBA championship and make it makes it makes somebody or people for the most part the fans that are hurt by their decision to join forces it makes them feel like yeah they're beatable they're beatable no they're not not when they're healthy But everybody got to hate on something these days. So, it is what it is. But more on these injuries and this offseason coming up. 
I, I'm, I'm going to talk about that on the next segment, you know. I'm going to talk about that on the next segment because I didn't went in too much on this. But uh, this is the Crash Culture Podcast Show. I'm your host, Space Coach Joe, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back with the Crash Culture Podcast Show. And let's talk the offseason, the NBA offseason of 2020. All right, we got Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and many others. But those are the only ones that matter. Let's be honest. You know, we. Uh, I just want to say, why in the fuck does everybody think that every big name free agent is going to the Lakers to play with LeBron? I, I just got to get that off my chest. Why does everybody think that everybody just must play with LeBron because he's the best teammate, he's the best player? If that was the case, he should have stayed in damn Cleveland. Since everybody feels so highly of him. Ah, damn. Good night. Man, LeBron is great. He's a great player. Don't get me twisted. But um, to think that players of the caliber of Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, and other guys like Anthony Davis... They want to play with him? Yeah, I give you Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis is a post player. And like I say earlier about uh, Kareem and, and, and guys like Wild and whatnot, they had to depend on others to give them the ball in the paint. You know, Carl Malone, all of those guys had to depend on others to give them the ball in the paint. So, yeah, I could understand uh, Anthony Davis wanting to play with him, but... Uh, Kevin Durant and the Kawhi Leonard, they basically play the same fucking position. Why do they want to play with him? Why would anybody want to play with somebody that's going to be taking the ball out of my hands most of the time and th- for them to look and good and get all the shine if I do great? You know, you're talking about two other NBA champions and two other uh, 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 multiple final MVPs and Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard playing with LeBron James, another champion, another multiple finals MVP. I mean, that sound good on paper. That sound good in everybody's imagination in Lakerland. But in the reality of the reality of this is why in the hell if I'm Kawhi Leonard and people are talking about me being better than you, would I go play with you and help you? Same with Kevin Durant. Why would those two guys do that? It doesn't make any sense. Only to Lakers, you know, fanatics or bronze sexuals does that make sense. But we're going to leave that at that. Now, a Jimmy Butler, yeah, him too, because he's not going to be, he's not going to ever be in the caliber of those type of guys. He would make sense like AD would make sense. You know, a 3 and D guy that can get you some buckets playing alongside LeBron James. Jimmy Butler is like, now he's like, oh, I, I'm going to just try and get in where I fit in. He's talking about going to Miami. He's talking about going to L.A. He's talking about going back to Philly. Shit, I even heard him mention uh, with the Clippers or Brooklyn 
at one point. Jimmy Butler just trying to get in any way he can fit in right now. I don't think he was that comfortable in Philadelphia, so I don't see him really going back there. But he trying to get in where he can fit in right now because there are other big names bigger than him. Hell, even even uh, Clay Thompson and, and, and Kevin Durant are bigger names than him, and both of them are potentially out for the whole of 2020 season. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah. Kyrie Irving, it only really worked. That championship shit only worked with LeBron James. He's more of a Robin. He has the skills of a Batman, but a scoring point guard, I mean, unless you have a, a, a forward or a shooting guard, or another guy that can distribute the ball and do other things like play defense and rebound, it's not gonna really work. That 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 point guard shit is not gonna that scoring point guard shit is not gonna really work. You feel me? It can be done on the proper team, like with with uh not not K, but uh, with Stephen Curry and Golden State. Stephen Curry is somewhat of a scoring point guard, but he's a shooter. You know what I'm saying? He's a, a pure shooter. So that spreads the floor. With his three-point shot, that spreads the floor. Kyrie Irving is not that much of a pure shooter. He can shoot, yes. He's he's a very good shooter, but uh, he's more of an off-the-dribble shooter. He's, more, he's not that much of a spot-up shooter. You know what I'm saying? And you could kind of see that in Boston. That was hurting their spacing, you know, because Jason Tatum is not that great of a shooter, and he's their two guard. You know, it's it's just like, eh, you know, those those pieces wasn't working right. You know, and then with Gordon Hayward, they were real deep at the forward position, but Gordon Gordon Hayward wasn't doing what he was supposed to do with those minutes and that big ass contract that he had gotten off season. You know, he kind of was a letdown this year coming off that horrendous injury that he had, you know, for uh, Boston and Terry Rozier had props. It, listen, the Celtics was all fucked up this year. Chemistry wise on court wise, they was all fucked up. Um, so Kyrie going to go destroy the Brooklyn Nets chemistry with D'Angelo Russell. Uh, he already did it in Cleveland. He already did it in Boston. He might as well go do it over there in New York. You know? I think Kyrie would be happy if he was back on them Cavs and LeBron stayed in Miami and he was over there running the show. They was getting their ass with every game. And if he just made the playoffs and got kicked out in the first round. I think he, he wasn't humble enough before LeBron James came back to help out that team. He was like saying, oh, we don't need you. So, yeah, he wasn't humble enough for LeBron to come back and play with him at that point in his career. You feel me? LeBron really helped him out with that, you know, and really helped Cleveland out. And not only that, the misfortune of Golden State again helped LeBron out with Draymond Green getting suspended and... um then at the time, Golden State's only true rim protector, only true seven-footer, Andrew Bogut, going down with an injury and was out for 
the last two games of the series is what propelled LeBron to come back down from 3-1. But, you know, a lot of people don't like to remember the facts or the reality of the situation because we're so focused on making fun of the other team that loses, you know, but defending and making excuses for LeBron James. But, you know, that's ESPN. That's the media. That's LeBron's fandom. They all make excuses for him. When he came to Miami, they not only butchered Miami, they butchered him, the city of Cleveland, but nobody cared because it's like old, cold-ass Cleveland. Nobody don't want to be there. You know what I'm saying? When he first came to Miami, it was the majority of Cavs fans and other fans in the NBA were hating on the Miami Heat. They was like, y'all suck anyway, y'all not going to win the championship. They made fun of Miami when they lost to the Mavs due to LeBron James freeze up, you know, his choking, uh, his choke artery, hope, choke artistry <laughs> uh, uh, in that Mavs series. And they made fun of Miami due to the fact that LeBron got cramps <laughs> against the Spurs the second time we played them. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, so um, if I'm Kawhi Leonard and I just won an NBA championship and they they got campaigns all over the streets where Kawhi or some shit like that, some, some type of campaign where Kawhi eats here for free in Toronto, you know, whenever. Uh, 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 even I seen somewhere a million dollar or a billion dollar CEO uh, of penthouses and stuff like that. He has offered Kawhi his own uh, luxury penthouse. You know what I'm saying? If I'm Kawhi, I get everything in writing, and I stay my ass in Toronto where I ain't got to spend a dime for the rest of my life as long as I live, if I'm him. But nobody knows what's on his mind. You know, the smart decision is to stay in Toronto, but like I said, nobody knows what's on his mind. Maybe he want to, you know, go back home to L.A. Maybe home is where the heart is, where his dad passed and this and the third, you know, he, He's his own man. He can make his he, he can make his own decision. He can do what he want to do right now. The world is his. The NBA is his right now. That he pulled off that championship. Um, Anthony Davis. If I'm him, I wouldn't blame him for going to go play with LeBron and the Lakers because that would be a more competitive team so far as trying to win a championship. They're still not going to win a championship unless Lonzo Ball get a jump shot if they decide to keep him, okay? And number one thing is, if I'm the Pelicans and the Lakers are trying to trade me, Brandon Ingram, who got blood clot concerns, and Lonzo Ball, who has injury concerns and a questionable jump shot, I look at them like they lost their motherfucking mind. I say any deal that don't include Kyle Kuzma, forget about it. All right? Forget about it. Right now, just forget about it. You're not getting Anthony Davis. If they somehow could manage, if the New York Knicks fuck up and don't pick R.J. Barrett, and the Lakers can pick R.J. Barrett, and they can get Kyle Kuzma, they could package that with somebody else, maybe uh, uh, maybe, uh, Rondo or Lance Stevenson or Alonzo or Brandon Ingram would then make sense to package with that R.J. Barrett, 
and Kyle Kuzma to send to the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. That's the only way, logically, in my mind, that the Lakers could get Anthony Davis from the Pelicans. You know? The only way, logically, in my mind. But, hey, it is what it is. And another thing I want to speak on is these injuries to uh, Clay and KD. Let me first start with KD. That Achilles injury is a devastating injury for a basketball player to have because everything's done with the feet. We push off with the with the feet. You know, we pivot with the feet. You know, we, we move from side to side, shuffle from side to side with the feet. Got to jump and whatnot. You put a lot of stress on your feet as a, a basketball player. So that Achilles is a devastating injury, you know, but not to be outdone by... But yeah, not to be outdone by Clay's ACL injury, which was done by a dirty play by Danny Green. I don't care what nobody said. I don't care what no announcer says. I don't care what anybody says. That was a dirty damn play by Danny Green because the man was in the air. He didn't weigh anything. And to jump into his back while he's already up in the air is dirty. Um, yeah, that's really stressful for them guys. Only way that Golden State could make it right is to give both of these guys max contracts and let them rehab. And hopefully they'll be back before, you know, or around the playoffs for 2020. Because I feel like Golden State could still be a contending playoff team if DeMarcus Cousins signs another mid-level exception, you know, or veteran minimum or whatever and stays and he rehabs and he gets back 100%, you know, because right now ain't nowhere for him to really go because ain't nobody going to know what he can do still with that injury or whatever. Going to the Lakers, like I say, like, he thought he saw some shit. Like, you, you think people blame him for him not being able to play or live up to his hype in this Golden State Warriors team on this run? If he goes to L.A., and they get Anthony Davis. He already played with him in the Pelicans. It didn't work out there because he wasn't healthy and they wasn't on the court 100% of the time. But if he goes there, LeBron, Anthony, and him, they lose to some other team in, in the Western Conference playoffs or they lose in the finals. Like, he's going to hear shit said about him that has been said about him his whole career, and it's, it will get worse. So I don't know if he's ready for that type of flack, if he was already kind of hurt that nobody was signing him before. So if I'm him, I'm just, I just stay and go to say and try and get another ring or try and get the first ring of my career because you're in the best environment for it to happen, but you got to be committed of you cousins. You got to be more committed than you were because a lot of times I've seen him in the NBA Finals, looked like he wasn't fully in. A lot of times, falling asleep, letting his defenders get rebounds, and you know, little dumb shit. You feel me? Like lost, uh, lack of focus on concentrating on making his free throws. It was a lot of that going on with Cousins this year in the NBA Finals. So, like I say, his only step, his only uh, shot at getting back to form, and everybody trying to knock over themselves and, and kick down his door and give him max contracts is him staying one more year in Golden State and proving his worth.
So that's how I feel about that. Oh, and by the way, Drake has now dropped two songs for um, in celebration of Toronto's NBA championship, their first NBA championship. One is called Money in the Grave, and the other one is called Omera, um, some some goofy shit. But I know that Money in the Grave one. I've listened to both of them. They sound hard. Okay. Up on the next segment, we're going to talk about the current state of hip-hop, you know, and um, we're going to discuss and react to those two songs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back with the Crash Culture Podcast show. And where we left off is Drake's best in the world pack in celebration of Toronto's first NBA champion. How about Drake? Give it up for Drake, ladies and gentlemen. The biggest super fan bandwagoner I have ever seen. One moment he had on a Cleveland Cavaliers jersey when he won the championship, toasting it up with LeBron. Another minute he was in Miami celebrating with the Heat. Another minute he was in uh, uh, Oakland celebrating with the Golden State Warriors, talking about him in his songs. They running practices at his house. Now he's a Toronto Raptors fan and an ambassador to the team because he's from Canada. God damn, Drake boy. That boy was, he was trying to get rid of that curse. Can't nobody say Drake wasn't trying to get rid of that curse. All right. He was trying his goddamn best to get rid of that curse. He said it best. Well, he said that they said that he was a curse. Now they cursing each other out because damn boy, that joke was, uh, it was alive and well for a few years on him. You feel me? Um, we might have to retire that joke, though, about Drake being the curse now because Toronto won an NBA championship thanks to his uh, a great antics on the sideline. I think he's great for the game. He's like Spike Lee to me, sitting courtside, you know, an icon to the culture, you know, fucking with the other team. They, they know who he is. It's not like some no-name fan who they don't know who he is. They know who he is, you know, and he's just messing with him. He's like, he could possibly dish you on the track. <laughs> you feel me? Uh, that's cool. But, um, yeah, to be more serious, those two uh, new tracks that he dropped, you know, I like that uh, one track, um, Money in the Money in the Grave. I love that track. That shit go hard as fuck. I don't care what nobody say. Yeah, but that other song, uh, Omeria or whatever, I mean, the beat's hot, but, um, the beat's hot, but it, it's, it don't really do it for me, like that, uh, that Money in the Grave song, that shit go in, I can see, I can see that riding around in my car, bumping to that, or being in the club, listening to that, you know, and dancing to that, I can see that being a hit. You feel me? Because especially because he got Rick Ross on it. Rick Ross dropped a nice verse on it and whatnot. Yeah, so Drake's new music is pretty decent. Pretty decent. You know, I'm surprised he could come up with a, a, a level-headed thought after uh, that that Toronto win and him celebrating and stuff like that. You feel me? So, uh, yeah, props to him. Props to the Raptors. And uh, props to them two tracks that he dropped, one of which is really good. I like it, and the other one is kind of okay. I kind of like it. But, uh, hell, 
I thought that uh that song in my feelings, Kiki. I, I when I first heard Scorpio, I fast forwarded through it. So maybe if you if I listen to it multiple times, maybe I might like it. You feel me? But uh Yeah. To get more into this though, I wanna talk about top five now, since we're on the subject of Drake. I want to talk about top five in the current in the current state of hip hop right now. All right. We got so many sub genres, you know, now we got the country rap with Lil Nas X, which they say they a lot of people credit Young Thugger for having an impact with that. But I'm pretty sure they had country rap before Young Thugger with Nelly. You know what I'm saying? So it's so many other artists you can credit with having uh influence from country and incorporating it into their their hip-hop lyrics or their raps and stuff like that whether it be the beat or whether it be the things that they're saying and stuff like that it's just Lil Nas X does it in a funny way and the beat sounds a little bit country trap that everybody takes notice and then everybody want to say oh Thugger been doing that no he hasn't a lot of people been doing that but whatever and then also we still got the uh the people like Lil Uzi Verd uh um who makes decent sounding music. Um Rich the Kid, uh, uh um who A Boogie with the hoodie. These guys make decent music, but you know, like old heads in hip hop would really like despise these niggas. Cause they their them type of their brand of music is like more like where you want to go pop a pill and, and turn up in the club or you know what I'm saying? Whereas old heads music or hip hop from the nineties and eighties was more so about the real situations that they facing in their communities and in their life and their journey in life, you know? So I understand both sides of it. I used to just used to think about it in the old head perspective, like, damn, this new music is trash. They ain't not talking about shit on it. But uh, excuse me. I had to get I had to get an understanding that the music is to put you in a certain vibe. You feel me? And I'm not trying to make myself old by saying, oh no, no, no. I, Cause I wouldn't I don't even really remember the nineties like that. You feel me? I was a jit jit. I remember the early 2000s. I don't remember the 90s like that. But a lot of my music or my favorite music of all time comes from that era. You feel me? Because I was listening to it. I was going back and listening to the Pox and the Snoops, even though I wasn't supposed to, because that's what my dad listened to. You know, I was going listening to the Isley Brothers because that's what my mom listened to. You know, so me th those being the first artists I heard and me having the access to their music, even DMX, you feel me? It was like I automatically latched on to them and I hung on and I listened to all of their music. You know? Like when Tupac died, I remember I was in the living room. I was a G. I was probably like 9, 10 years old. I was crying in the living room and stuff like that because that was my hero. That was my icon. You know? I didn't do basketball at the time. I didn't know nothing about nothing but hip-hop, art, and video games in school. That's all I knew. And to me, Tupac was hip-hop at the time. You know, when they was like, East Coast don't love, West Coast Snoop said that at the Source Wars, I was like, hell no. Nah. And I'm from Florida. 
<laughs> I was like, fuck them. West side? You feel me? But, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was then. This is now. Now we have, um, it's, it's, we have good music out there. It's just you have to, you, you find it from particular, you find it from certain artists. Drake is known for having a lot of good music and a lot of hits over the day, but that's because the climate of rap change. Females have always impacted the type of music that men listen to, but Drake wasn't afraid to be that vulnerable singing ass nigga that rap to and, you know, do his thing when he came out. So he garnered a lot of attention first from the females. Then he started making certain type of hip hop trap tracks and, you know, dudes as well started saying, okay, yeah, he kind of can spit. He got rhymes, you know, and one thing that we got to credit Drake for is he's not afraid to beef with anybody. He lose a lot of these beefs. He loses a lot of them. He takes a lot of L's, but he's not afraid to beef. He's not afraid to try and, you know, make raps battling the person. You feel me? So got to give him some props there. Um, but the king right now of hip hop, debate me if you want or if you like, you're going to be wrong every time, is Kendrick Lamar. Even though he only drop an album once every two years, it's Kendrick Lamar. Okay? Say whatever you want to Pimple Butterfly, Good Kid, Mad City, Damn. Three classic albums. Even Section 80, classic album. All right? Hits top to bottom through the, through the both of those albums. Through, well, not both of those albums. Through several of his albums. Uh, and they make you think. They more so in line with the origins of hip hop. You know what I'm saying? And talking about his situation and how he grew up and then talking about things that may impact other people in the communities that he come from and within his life. It's more traditional. That's why, to me, K-Dot gets the nod for GOAT in the game right now. All right. As a matter of fact, let me list my top five right now as follows. Kendrick Lamar, number one. The only reason why I would put Drake number two instead of J. Cole is because J. Cole is inconsistent. One minute he want to be like, fuck everybody. And like, I'll come at all you rap niggas. You rap niggas can't touch me. Then the next minute he want to sing Kumbaya with Lil Pump and shit. You feel me? Like, yo. Either you don't fuck with him or you do fuck with him, bro. Choose. That's why, you know, I fuck with K-Dot because he don't say nothing about nobody. He just, he he came out with that control verse and told everybody what time it is and then went back into doing his little thing and fucking with only his TDE niggas, really. You know, he may hop on the track if the track is for him and it sound good, but it ain't like he going around here intentionally taking pictures with these niggas and posing with all these other uh, uh, trap rap fake niggas or whatever and trying to be, you know, considered as down and hip. You feel me? That's the only reason why I put J. Cole uh, number three. Otherwise than that, it would be Kendrick and then J. Cole. It used to be like that for me when he dropped uh, Born Center. It used to be like that for me. Hell, I almost put J. Cole number one at one point. You feel me? But uh, like I say, he's he's ha he took on more of a juvenile aspect or persona to him. 
So it it kind of bumped him a little bit down beneath Drake. It seemed like Drake and uh uh K Dot are more secure in themselves as men. And it shows through their music and it's a little bit more mature, you know. But back to my top five. Like I say we got Kendrick, number one, Drake number two. J. Cole, number three. Hmm. Number four and number five is where it get tricky. Because I don't want to go with no old head by default and say Eminem and Jay-Z. I don't want to do that even though they're still rapping, they're still in the game, you know, because they're more of like the, the all-timers list. But um, I'm not a prisoner of the moment and I'm not just going to pick somebody that like a lot of people just say, oh, you know what? He's good. He's really, really good. No, like, nigga, like you have to be in that upper echelon of of rappers. You feel me? It's like I'm not going to put Pascal Siakam with Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Or I'm not going to put Donovan Mitchell with those guys. I'm not even going to put Luka Donage nowhere near those guys because they're in a category by themselves. You see what I'm saying? The Drakes, the Kendricks, the uh, uh, J. Coles, they're in categories by themselves. At one point, everybody tried to put Big Sean in that category. Big Sean proved to be inconsistent, and he fell out of that category. So, you know... I want people that have been proven, proven ability to make hits. All right. Right now in the game. Um, but I might have to wind up giving it to those guys by default. Might have to wind up giving it to them by default. Top five right now in the game. Yeah. Yep. Might have to wind up giving it to Jay-Z and, uh, M bringing up their four and five. You can, you could change them out interchangeable right now, you know, because their body of work speak for itself and they still rapping. Um, I'll put Eminem number five and Jay number four. Cause of the simple fact that, uh, Jay have more hits to me that I can see like 99 problems and hit the, the uh, hard, not life, the, um, uh, big pimping, more hits than M to me. You know, like you might have M impacts the majority of America, middle of America. We know why that is, but he still is a great lyricist nonetheless, and he still is rapping to this day. So, you know, you got to put them right there in that top five with K Dot and, and whatnot and Drake and those boys. So, yeah. But when it comes to all time, unquestionably number one fuck you if you feel otherwise Tupac Shakur no debate not up for debate don't care to debate you don't tweet me don't at me don't shit me I don't give a fuck it's Tupac number one Biggie number two of course by default okay but Tupac number one 
Why? Because I said so. That's why. All right. Not only that, but he spoke to and about us, black people, our community. He was all for it. He had his he, he had his moment where he went away from that because he fell victim to Suge Knight. You know, and that's a whole nother topic to get into for another day. But let's just say Suge Knight was a fucked up dude, you know, and he didn't he. He wasn't just fucked up with the things that he would do to people like Vanilla Ice, hanging him over a balcony and whatnot, you know. But uh, he was also fucked up mentally in the games that he would play, like not letting Nate Dogg perform with Warren G because he wasn't signed underneath death row with them, you know, because Warren G wanted to be his own man and whatnot. So, yeah, that's kind of what happened with uh, Pac. You feel me? But um, after, and even P. Diddy, even he had kind of somewhat of an impact on uh, Biggie's le legacy and his family benefiting solely from uh, B.I.G.'s legacy. Okay? Because... Diddy ain't make all them goddamn hits that, that Big made to put Bad Boy on the map. The Notorious B.I.G. Christopher Wallace made those hits and put Bad Boy Records on the map. Put them on the map. But Puffy, being the genius that he is and the CEO that he is, you know, he the one who get all the credit. He the one who get all the clout because Biggie passed. And he's the one who's living large, of course. Um, yeah, that's the one that comes to that. Uh, those are the top two of all time. Uh, number three for me. Mm. Three, four, and five is always get difficult. It always gets difficult, you know. Like, I could put Jay-Z in that spot by default again because he was around them times and he was doing his thing. But, no, I'm going to put DMX in that number three spot for me all time. Because DMX in a battle back in them times, you ain't want to see him. In the 90s, you ain't want to see him, okay? And his body of work, Still fire to this day. All right. Who don't know the Rough Riders anthem? If you don't know it, find them and slap the shit out of them. Stop. Drop. Shut them down. Open up. Shop. Come on now. I ain't even gonna. I ain't even gonna continue to go on with that. So DMX is number three for me. Um, funny thing about it is in my all-time list, Eminem. Doesn't make the top five. So he had to make the, the top five now because he doesn't make the all-time list for me because I'm going to put Nas in there right along with Jay-Z. And like I said, you could interchange them two out right there when they come to all-time. And right behind them, battling for the number for number six, damn near number five, is the Wu-Tang Clan. And that's a whole slew of niggas. So that's why Eminem can't make my 
top five list, but I know a lot of people want to put him up there because he's a lyrical word. But to me, you could say, you know, you could match words that don't mean shit together. And just because it rhyme and it sound good and you hit somebody with a punchline, you know, that's only one part of rapping. The other part of rapping is what you're talking about. What's your content? How is that changing a lot? How is that inspiring somebody? How is that motivating somebody? You know, or how is somebody having fun with that? You feel me? You know, because you don't want to have too much. You don't want people to be like always partying and dancing and popping pills of your music. Then all of a sudden you're a mumble trap rapper. You don't want somebody to be all upset and, and, and in their feelings and thinking about how their life could be better and this, that, and the, and then you're an emo rapper. You feel me? And you don't want to be one of those guys that's having that, uh, uh, preaching to somebody. You feel me? Because then you're a gospel rapper. You got to blend all of those things. You know what I'm saying? And then you got to make it to where people can bob their head to it. And the greats can do that. You feel me? So, yeah. That's why my top five all time, Tupac, Biggie Smalls, uh, 3 DMX, Nas, Jay-Z, followed by the Wu-Tang Clan. You feel me? Hey, you like it, don't like it, I really don't give a damn. That's what it is. Speaking of this current state of hip-hop, I want to give a moment out. You know, or a moment of silence for Young Miami's catchphrase, period. You know, it had a nice long run. It's been about a good year since these females been walking around saying it. That's all I've been here. Period, period, period. All right. Well, now Young Miami no longer has a period. <laughs> she didn't win and got her ass pregnant. Boy, boy, boy. She didn't convince all these females that they don't need a nigga, they don't need this, and they don't need that from a dude, and uh, 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 use him, take his money, and throw the ass on some other dude. Like, then she didn't went around and let some other dude come all up in her, get her pregnant, and now she gonna have a baby on the way. She gonna be Mama Miami. Got y'all out here looking stupid. You feel me? But that's what happened when females come together and they convene and, and think about uh, uh, ideas that aren't really beneficial to the community, but are more thinking individually about how they could benefit only themselves all the time. You have to, I think like benefiting yourself is something that ain't got to be explained. What's understood don't got to be explained in self-improvement is something that should be on all of our minds, but you could kind of be toxic with it. You could kind of be an asshole with it and be like self-improvement. You can confuse it with using a person to get what you want. And I feel like a lot of her music and a lot of stuff that she was talking about and saying a lot of black females and a lot of females in general would take that and run with it. Like, oh, I'm going to use a dude to get whatever I want out of him and make my life better and make possibly my children life better. That dude ain't do nothing for me. Well, if you knew this dude wasn't shit before you started talking to him, you should never need to start talking to him. If you was such an independent woman, you would be able to handle your own. And you're supposed to be already looking for to better your life in general. But uh, I digress. It is what it is when it comes to that. I ain't going to get into that no more. But yeah, man. 
Y'all females need, a lot of females these days need to start thinking with their own mind and educating themselves on how to be somebody's wife for real. Like not, not somebody baby's mama, but somebody wife. Because a logically thinking man, when he hear you speak and talk all of these periods and all this, that, and third, you know, he might think that's cute in the beginning, think you so sexy, but once he get the body, now it's all about the mind. What do you have on your mind that keep that man staying or make him want to stay forever? It's going to be a question that he going to ask himself. And he ain't probably, some, some men nowadays ain't even going to tell you, they just going to leave or cheat. So be careful what you be listening to and be careful what you absorb into your psyche, you know, because that's going to affect you in other phases of your life. All right, back with the Crash Culture Podcast show. We're going to call this next segment, What the Fuck World, or WTF, hashtag WTF World, okay? Let's start off by saying, you know, good news, everyone. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is retiring or resigning as the press secretary for the White House. I couldn't be more happier, okay? The only thing that could be make me more happier right now is um, Trump resigning or being impeached. I'd rather him be impeached than resign, you know, or just do his full time. I'd rather him be impeached. That would be the only thing that would make me a little bit more happier or a lot more happier then this Sarah Huckabee, Huckabee Saunders resigning because she just she just lies and she just tell it with a straight face and then it's just a bunch of bullshit you know like I don't even like discussing politics no more because it just it makes you feel kind of hopeless looking at that so I'm not even gonna spend a lot of time on that but um what the fuck world what the hell is going on in the Dominican Republic you tried to kill Big Poppy. You tried to kill David Ortiz. You know, like, like, hey, you know, they murdering tourists over there. I had an ex-girlfriend. I used to call her a tourist all the time. And she used to get mad at me. And she always traveling all over the world, this place and that place and all of that. You know, like, tourism and visiting places is good. But you got to remember, you don't know that area. So how are you going to protect yourself when you're there? That should be a question that you ask yourself before you get there. Like, how am I going to protect myself? Oh, you only live once. Well, you ain't going to live long. If you think like that, you know, because it's a crazy world. Pretty much that we all know that we live in, you know. You're here today, gone tomorrow. And you got to do your homework on places. I know I've heard about prostitution and, and this, that, and the third going on in DR, going on in Puerto Rico, going on in Cuba, going on in other uh, third world countries as well. But, you know, a lot of us as Americans don't 
think about these things or don't really give a fuck about these things because they don't really impact us every day. When things start to impact Americans more close, when it hit more closer to home, like when it really, like really hit us, like this is really happening. Like we got human sex trafficking going on over here. You feel me? They about to make that legal in uh, New York. But we, we don't care. Because number one, we don't really think that we have the power to change that. Number two, it's not something that's going to take away, take money out of our pockets. So we think. And number three, it's not something that we're going to be encountered with on a day-to-day basis. So we don't really give a fuck. That's just how Americans roll. We like we we go to work, we get up, we do our thing, you know, we eat, we come home, we go to sleep Monday through Friday and then Friday through Sunday, Friday through Saturday. Rather, we go out, we party and we live our best life. And then on Sunday, we at church asking God for forgiveness for all the bullshit we did on the weekend. And then we back rinse and repeat on Monday. You know, it, we don't really have any empathy for nobody else. We don't have the capacity for it. We don't care for nobody else in the world. You know, until it start impacting when as long as it was Dominicans killing Dominicans in the DR, it only mattered to them and we didn't ever pay attention to it. When Dominicans started killing Americans, oh shit. Oh, did you see on the news they talking about they killing people in the Dominican Republic? And we like that with almost every issue. Almost every issue, unless it directly affects us, we don't care. Us not mean not being not meaning black people in general because we still got our own gripes in America that we still haven't dealt with us being America as the country you know which is really made for Caucasians and whatnot. you feel me or the white man more so to be specific you feel me it and I'm not being politically correct in saying that because it's the truth the reality of the situation, that's the majority in America. White. So anything that goes on that doesn't affect that majority, it doesn't really matter. Because there are a lot of issues that affect the black majority or what they say is minority, which is another category that they try to group black people along with everybody else from another country that has darker skin than a white person so that's why I'm being plain when I say this a lot of stuff that affect the black community like police brutality you know um, difficulties finding good paying jobs with livable wages um, difficulties with the schools that their children go to you know like we ain't even get reparations for slavery. And a lot of people think like, oh, we shouldn't get reparations for slavery. That happened so long ago. We didn't have that many years to repair our communities and repair our psyches. So like you want us to t- like, bro, like I can do a whole show about that. I can do a whole show about that. Pointing out the hypocrisies of people that live in this country and even people that come from other countries that look at black Americans and say, oh, you got opportunities. You're in the land of the free and the home of the brave. If you only knew how much our ancestors suffered and how much we still suffer today and we have suffered for the past decade or, or 30, 40, 50 years, 
in different ways in the most powerfulest country on earth you wouldn't you wouldn't say these stupid asinine things but people don't properly understand the this amount of sacrifice that went into us having the liberties that we even have today okay and even those liberties are violated still to this day even on the backs of people like Malcolm Martin Garvey Harriet Tubman and Rosa Parks and others sacrifice for their kids for their kids kids and all of the kids all of the black american kids that came up from the wombs of enslaved African men and women. All right. So that brings me to my next topic. Can black people be racist? It's pretty obvious we can't. We never had the power in this country to be racist. We don't even have the power in Africa to be racist. And that's the motherland from which we came. The Chinese are taking over that. So how in the hell can we be ready? Uh, calling you a name is not racist. Remember, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Okay. That can't be... Just that alone can't hurt you. When you physically are... And systemically are... Oppressing me. And making me not have a way to make a better life for me and my family... That's racist. When you see me and just because the color of my skin or the way I may look, you react to me and you may shoot and kill me because I don't comply immediately to what you say. That's racist. So no, we don't never had the power to be like that. We never did. And if white America had its way, we never will. But that's my what the fuck world. Should be also what the what the fuck world featuring what the fuck America. You know? Uh, yeah, this has been the Crash Culture Podcast Show with your host Space Coast Joe. You can follow me over at Instagram at the name Space Coast Joe and Twitter. Uh, pretty soon we're going to be having a YouTube, like I say, where these podcasts are going to be live and filmed. Um, if you want to be a guest, just DM me, comment, like, share. Let me know your thoughts on these episodes. I bring up any topics that you want me to discuss and debate. Like, you know, everybody's welcome here. You know, if you disagree with me, that's cool. If you like what I'm talking about, that's fine too. Like I say, just hit me up. 